Welcome to the Paper Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan James. Today, we have an amazing guest. His name is Aaron Kaler. He is the founder and CEO of Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative, also known as ATII. He's also founder and co-chair of Anti-Human Trafficking Cryptocurrency Consortium, Anti-Human Trafficking Retail Consortium. Basically, he is the person who trains law enforcement on financial crimes related to human trafficking. So this is the go-to bankers, you know, to follow, to see what you can do to be on your game and to make sure that you've got the right typology and, and presets put into your AML system so you, we can do our part and we can monitor human trafficking. Um, hope you enjoy. Aaron, welcome to the Paper Cotton Podcast. You know, it's, it's so great to have you. Um, you know, tell me a little bit. How, how did you get involved and how did you come to start the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative? Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, I spent uh, 20 years in the financial crime industry. Um, started really early in my career. Worked for um, the New York State Attorney General's office uh, investigating uh, fraud and, and crime. Uh, interned with MasterCard within their their fraud department, where I looked at uh, a wide variety of fraud, but also uh, investigated uh, child exploitation and, and CSAM. Uh, back then, child pornography uh, was called. Uh, I have a degree in economic crime investigation uh, from Syracuse University. Um, so very early on in my career, I focused on uh, financial crime. Um, got into to banking compliance and anti-money laundering, uh, spent most of my career in advisory around that. And then uh, in 2019, uh, we founded the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative. Um, big, big reason behind that was, um, you know, over the last five years before I started it, 10 years or so, uh, lots of people in the in the AML and financial crime industry, the anti-money laundering industry, were talking about human trafficking. It became a hot topic. Uh, FinCEN, a uh, regulatory body uh, that, that enforces financial crime, started um, giving guidance on human trafficking. And I, I started thinking about what I was telling my clients, um, the different type of risks that they can be exposed to in banks, and really just started educating myself uh, a lot on it and, and realized that there was a lot missing as far as training, red flags, typologies, data, um, information that can make people gatekeepers uh, in the financial industry do their job better um, and, and really got interested in that. And, and, and then in turn also, of course, started learning more about the um, you know, the actual uh, industry of human trafficking and the survivors and um, you know, the, the, the hardships and, and, and um, you know, everything around modern slavery and uh, decided that I was ready to take my career to the next step and, 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 you know, put my money where my mouth is and get really involved in it. Now, I'm very familiar with, with your work and your initiative. And, you know, as a banker, we see so much. Now, granted, it may not be the whole picture, but we see transactions. Um, you know, whether it's via ACH and I found it's been very difficult um, for bankers, you know, where to go to and where to look out. So I'm so excited to have found you and, and your work. And, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of noise out there. This, I mean, there's a lot of banking regulations out there, but this is one that, I mean, I would feel confident that hundred percent of bankers are, should all rally behind. I mean, Anything that we can do to spot human trafficking, I mean, is top of mind. And I sit on our SAR committee. So, you know, this is one of the tougher things to identify um, for us. And, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of training and, and we go through a lot, but it, we probably should start from the beginning and give the definition of, you know, human trafficking, what to look for, because I think what first comes to mind may be, um, sex trafficking, but there's a whole lot to that labor trafficking and, and they're, you know, so yeah, could give a couple um, of the um, main definitions. 
Yeah, I you know I'd like to to start by saying that number one, I'm I'm not an expert on human trafficking. Um, you know that's you know left to the survivors and 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 people that went through it and victims and 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 the uh, uh, providers that that deal with this every day and helping people and and everything. I'm I'm an expert in financial crime and investigation. Um, that being said. Um, you know, obviously, uh, finance uh, is 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 the main driver um, behind behind this, and and what's used to to fuel traffickers and 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 this to happen. So there's a, a large correlation between uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking, labor trafficking, and, and so forth. And uh, you know, we have a unique focus on financial crime and tax evasion and, and, and money laundering and some of the um, what, you know, people consider the, the, the more extreme focuses like terrorist financing and, and, and so forth. But, um, you know, there's nothing more important in, in my opinion, uh, or at least uh, I'd like to keep the, the scrutiny uh, and and the focus uh, at the same level as is some of our biggest threats, which you know terrorist financing, human trafficking. Uh, there's nothing more worse than than that uh, in in an industry. And at the end of the day, if if all the you know if all the the drugs and drug trafficking were were you know were going to dry up, and the poppy fields in in, in Afghanistan and the cocaine. Um, you know, where do you think organized crime and, and terrorists and traffickers are going to be focusing their attention to make money? Um, you know, human trafficking, you can, you can, you know, you use a drug once and it's, it's gone. You can use a, uh, a victim, uh, you know, eight times a day, nine times a day. Um, so it's a, it, it's a very important issue that, um, although, you know, like you said, Ryan, um, Banks should rally around this and 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 do more, but should the, the keyword sentence and and not all of them do. Uh, in fact, uh, you would be really surprised if we were going to ask, um, you know, do a do a poll of the largest banks in the world, mid-sized banks, small banks, uh, and get an idea of how much actually how many of them actually just have a basic training let alone uh, a risk model and, and flags and data and, and, you know, a focus on it in and of itself. Uh, so we, you know, we've come, come a, quite a way in the, in the past five, 10 years, but not even close. We are not Unfortunately, even Unfortunately, I, I, I yeah. agree with that sentiment because, you know, we're considered small bank, but what we do and take this seriously because we have, you know, what the industry the banking industry considers high-risk customers, whether it be uh, money service businesses, um, cryptocurrency-related customers. You know, we take BSA and AML, you know, so strongly. And there's customers that come to us and apply, and we ask questions, and they constantly, well, our bank never asked for this. Our bank never yeah. asked this. And who you bank for? And it'll be a bank with the resources 50 times their size, and they don't do anything. So much gets left um, falls, you know, below the radar. And then another thing that we really see too is, uh, banks may be really afraid to bank industries. And so then that drives it underground. And so they feel that, oh, I'm not banking this specific industry. So then I don't have to be trained in this because yeah. I mean, you know, what have you in financial crimes, what are some of the, um, industries that, um, you may see it a lot of banks or that go through the banking system that uh, aren't documented or are not front sway, um, you know, front and center. Um, yeah, quickly, I'll, I'll just say, um, you know, on the note of, of, of the community banks and federal savings banks and, and credit unions, mm -hmm. the smaller banks um, I have, we have had uh, and, and other groups have had a great deal of success. Uh, working with those type of banks around this, um, you know, in in from a perspective of a, of a you know a community feel, uh, it's easy to 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 work with folks in that space because you know their leadership, their board wants to 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 make a difference and can can quickly act and implement things. Uh, oftentimes, also the community banks in regions that are known for human trafficking, 
you know, in, in, in your case, uh, you know, Florida and Georgia uh, are, are widely known for, for human trafficking. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and news and industry in, in Florida, Georgia, um, you know, the Southeast uh, covers it uh, a great deal. So it's, it's, it's on the radar of people. So uh, I did want to, I didn't want to uh, come across like I was, I was knocking uh, um, certain banks. I've actually had just as much, if not more success with smaller banks than larger banks. That, that, um, that's great to hear. And um, yeah, yeah. Located here in Florida, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. We're loading the high intensity drug corridors. I mean, everywhere you you turn because I mean, you've got I-95, I-4, I-75. It is it is a hub. So, I mean, every bank yeah, but, in Florida has to have a robust BSA department. Yeah. Yeah. But going back to your, your, your previous question, I think what you're asking about, you know, different industries that, that you can see facilitating uh, trafficking in, in, in different ways, um, you know, with with COVID, uh, you know, over the last uh, few years, uh, live streaming uh, and 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 you know, internet type um, grooming and and reaching out to folks and 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 you know, the industries that built around that have have had a, a big boom in surplus. So you know, fintech firms and payment payment firms uh, that you know you can do peer to peer transactions and 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 easy transactions like you know your your venmos your cash apps your zelles so i've been same. i've been yeah, contacted ahead. many times by businesses that um we would classify as third-party payment processors that yep. will be conducting the transactions and then as you dig their customers or a portion of their customers could be uh cam shows or you know yep. a, a, adult and they um a lot of them will hide it and then others will say this is what we do up front yeah. And, you know, we have stayed very far away from that. And when we do sit back and say, well, how is a bank even going to monitor this? You know, you're like any program, yeah. you, you would take the risk and go down and, and underwrite the customer, how they're monitored and vice versa. But it's hard for me to see how we could truly monitor uh, a cam show, you know, not. Yeah. I'll I'll one up you on that on on them hiding it. Not only are they hiding it when when they reach out to your bank and and try to set up an mm -hmm. account and and build a relationship, they also hide it on the transaction. So when when you're billed for your 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 cam show, um, they're using different different names and 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 indicators not indicative yeah. of the name of the company. Um, you know, for two reasons to, to, to throw off the trail of investigators and people that are monitoring accounts. Uh, but also, so, you know, if, if, if you're sharing, uh, a credit card with a spouse or whatever, it's, it's not easy to, um, uh, you know, detect, you know, it's not going to say live cam girls, XXX, yeah. uh, on your, your credit card statement or your, 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 your monthly, uh, billing statement. So, you know, one thing that we do, especially over the last few years and with all these uh, cam shows and sex sites and, 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 and the dark web and, you know, you've got your only fans and, and, and firm, you know, companies like this that are popping up everywhere. Um, we scrape and, and talk to banks and we capture the different billing descriptors of the common ones out there, uh, especially yeah. the ones that have been, you know, when it comes to trust and safety and, and, you know, other non AML type reviews on the worst of the worst, we want to be able to have those billing descriptors so we can provide to financial institutions, um, you know, to, to, to look for these type of transactions. Because yeah, any bank may have a personal account that sees an ACH deposit from that billing description. And, yep. you know, then that comes back to knowing your customer, you know, having that flag, seeing that description, put it in your AML software and having the trained staff that is able to reach out and question these transactions and be able to yeah. you know, interpret in here. Yeah. The, and, and the, you know, in general, not just with, with cam shows, but with sex trafficking and, and labor tra trafficking in general, um, you know, transactions are important. They provide clues, they provide red flags and things that should pop out to you. But at the end of the day, the, you know, the know your customer, 
uh, and and the due diligence around that and understanding um, you know differences in 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 what you think uh, the 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 account the customer should be about and discrepancies is is really what um, what should stand out. Uh, the transactions are 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 fuel and and indicators that can help. But going back to that KYC uh, and understanding uh, whether it's an individual's account, a business's account, um, and and you know seeing the discrepancies in transactional behavior is is like any uh, AML or financial crime investigation is 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 what should stand out. And of course, the problem with human trafficking and detecting it and, and seeing it from a transactional perspective is many times it looks like other financial crimes, mm -hmm. especially drug trafficking, but, you know, also just general tax evasion and, and money laundering and cash structuring and uh, depositing and withdrawing cash in different ways that can be indicative of many financial crimes, not including human trafficking. So that, you that, need more context. That, that is what we've found. And when we have a suspicion of possible, um, you know, one that comes up to mind was, you know, their, their profession um, was, you know, indicative of somebody that would make maybe 20 to $40,000 a year, depending on that. But yet there was transactions of a hundred thousand plus in just a couple months. And then when we did some social engineering, it came down to, okay, the address of where they lived, that wasn't in a house. They could, the house was not associated with them on name. So there was just a lot of missing questions. We had, we didn't have access to the rest of the picture, but what truly you could tell there is the source of funds was not there. So it, it seems to be like, it's, you can, it's hard to pinpoint. Yes, that is human trafficking for SAR, but it, seems to be that you can catch it for source of funds and other um, key money laundering that is associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. And in human trafficking, the, the, the indicators and, and the transactions they you know, like many crimes, but even more so with human trafficking, they, they tell a story. Um, you know, when you're looking at transactions and, and you see transactions occurring and, 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 you know, different branches within the same city, uh, other cities and states, late night ATM mm -hmm. withdrawals, um, things happening near casinos and, and hotels late at night, um, purchases, um, you know, large amount, large purchases at, at pharmacies and, 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 and things like that. Um, you know, even one of the, one of the common ones is uh, late night um, red box purchases. Um, you know, these girl and, and, and excessive amount of movies being purchased um, from a red box. Um, you know, these, these survivors and victims need something to do when they're not working. Um, and and oh, wow. you know, just basic entertainment is, is, is something. So, you know, lots of um, uh, fast food and, and large convenience store uh, spends to, to stock up on, on just basic food. To, to you know, and thinking you know, about it, it's a lifestyle that can that tells a story through the transactions you know um knowing the typical banking aml softwares majority of them are so let's see um just white labeled and kind of have canned programs you know some of that behavior is not indicative to a lot of americans so that would be hard for the average yeah. bsa analyst to you know spot that this is unless it was you know, one account yeah. in such a volume that that fast food, you know, had to pay for a dozen people or so, you know, I can see after yeah. the fact of once you found something, then you see those transactions, but that's a difficult one to catch up front for an analyst to see. Yeah. And, and that's why I say that, you know, the transactions are important. Um, they definitely provide clues and, and could, you know, give you a flag for something to look into. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, most of the time, the transactions themselves are not going to, um, you know, find it. Uh, you need more context around KYC and, 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 and understanding your customer and, and relating those transactions to, to, to what the account is um, and what the customer uh, is, you, you know, the account was open for and, and what you know about this person. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, 
where we excel and and what we do with banks that we're working uh, with is we curate data sets um, and and work with banks that and financial institutions and and other types of commercial organizations uh, to 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 scrub their customer base and transactions against data sets that we curate uh, to look for anomalies uh, indicative of trafficking and and then you know when they find a hit they combine that with the transaction monitoring review and oftentimes they they'll find they'll either find uh information on something that didn't come across their radar from any type of transaction monitoring red flag or they find something that did come across their radar based on a transaction monitoring flag but they had no clue it would have been potentially trafficking related and maybe they even filed a SAR and it was on you know cash you know you know, cash structuring or, or tax evasion or money laundering or, or something along those lines. Um, how, so how important it, are SARS, you know, because I think some bankers, um, we're, we're not one of them, but some bankers think about, well, I'm just following the SARS. It just goes into ethos and not being reviewed. We've, um, actually seen action from our SARS over the years, um, which is fantastic. And, we're, we're very pleased when that happens, but, um, you know, we see that SARS are vital. How are you seeing that from your side? Yeah. Um, you know, I've got good <laughs> thoughts around it and bad thoughts around it. Right. Um, at first you file that SAR no matter what it's for, and it does go into the ethos. Right. And then it's, it's, it's there in a repository with millions of others. And it's really based, what happens to, to said star, SAR is really based on, you know, federal investigations, um, you know, the, the severity of it. Um, and then it trickles down to, you know, your state, your city, your, 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 your local, and who even has access within law enforcement to look at SARS in their states and in their cities, uh, which is for every state, it's unfortunately way less um, than you would ever suspect as far as uh, um, the, t the types of uh, law enforcement officers can, that are actually allowed Bank Secrecy Act to review SARS. Um, so it's a, that's a little disheartening uh, in, in general, and I don't want to be a downer about this, but it, but it is the reality a hundred percent. There are some States that from a, you know, a state level law enforcement perspective, they have one person or two person in the entire state that is legally allowed to review FinCEN wow. database and look at SARS. Uh, some States have more, uh, at the federal level that changes a bit, but there still, there's only so many financial crime investigators, right? Uh, you know, we're, we're lacking in that department. And what I've noticed um, over the years said, of reviewing subpoenas and, and working with law enforcement on things, I'm always surprised of what little knowledge they know in regards to just banking transactions. Some are fantastic yeah. and, 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 you know, the you, few rise above, but then the average one, they, they really have no clue. Yeah. You know, your average officer even even at the state level that that you know are looking at fraud crimes and so forth really don't have that much and if they do they need to rely on a, a colleague in their department to do their SAR searches for them and they themselves don't even have access um, so it's you know if I if, if in a perfect world like every time anything happens a, a missing person a a murder, anything you, in theory, you should be able to check SAR data for any crime that, that you're going to do that type of diligence on. But that's just not the case. You never know when an, when an address, a previously used address, a previous phone number, email address, or some little piece of information from a SAR 10 years ago can help you solve a case. Um, so in my opinion, it, it, you know, the SAR should be way more widely used in, in just general law enforcement. Um, but that's not the case. Um, but again, the, you know, not to be entirely negative, the bright side or the, the better side of, of the suspicious activity reports right now 
is that in 2017, after much uh, petitioning and, and much um, work uh, with FinCEN and, and from advocates and human trafficking folks, they've added a human trafficking checkbox yes. to the SAR. So uh, if, you, if your organization is sophisticated and, and understands human trafficking and gets trained, um, you know, you have the option of checking that, that box that many of the other or uh, banks out there that if they saw something may file as, as like I said, um, you know, structuring or, or tax evasion, um, you may know better within your institution from training and, and file a, a SAR based on human trafficking. And when that happens, uh, there's a much better chance of that SAR landing in the hands of somebody federal or state or, or citywide that has an interest in trafficking. Um, not all of them, um, you know, there's a whole other podcast we can do on, uh, you know, how, what type of pressure is, is put on law enforcement to do more around human trafficking. Um, but there are lots of agents and, and, and departments and in law enforcement that have some, some real, uh, leaders and stakeholders that, that are wanting to, to get a look at any SAR that is related to human trafficking. Uh, department Homeland Security does a lot. They have they've got a uh, a big department uh, over the last few years. They 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 opened human trafficking center. Great. Uh, so we're getting there. You know, when I started in banking, a lot of it came to in person behavioral, and that's what we trade employees to um, look out for. But now, with you know the majority, you hardly see your customers anymore. Everything is on. There's no need for them to come to the branch anymore. So with that being said, all of our majority of the red flags has to be done through transaction and patterns and through uh, industries and, and businesses. Yep. If, you know, if we could go over a couple like unique other red flags, you know, what you provided me is a red flags indicator, and we're going to give access to that to anybody to download. Um, and provide a link on our site, but I'd like to definitely go over some of the big ones with you of what banks should put in their AML systems and um, looks look for. Yeah. Um, before we talk about the red flags quickly, uh, I, w I was getting into, you know, how red flags are important and, and understanding the typologies. Uh, but really data and, and, and KYC and knowing your customer is what what gives you gives you a lot of context that you can add to the red flags. Um, so one thing we do at the Anti-Human Trafficking Intelligence Initiative is we we scrape illicit sex sites, massage parlor sites. Uh, we scrape the dark web. Uh, we scrape different forums and, and pull and, and run analytics on a wide variety of data. Um, one of the data sets that we use often with financial institutions, and we also use it with law enforcement and retail industry, hospitality industry, but we call that our high-risk human trafficking data set. Um, what that data set is, is over a million line items of data, names, telephone numbers, email addresses, business names, uh, identifiers, uh, physical identifiers like height, weight, and things like that. And it comes from the scraping of, of sex sites and massage parlor sites and forums. Uh, right now that data set is in a hundred and we've got data from 131 countries. So we'll do operations with, with law enforcement, operations with, with financial institutions or proof of concepts uh, where we, we target either the whole data set based on their, their uh, sophistication and, and manpower and ability to, to, to do this um, or we, we target a state or a city, um, but they will scrub our data set. They'll cross-reference it against their customer base. It can tie in to the, you know, at account opening. It can tie in Wonderful. at the transaction level. Um, if you have a sanctioned screening product that you like to run your, your, your bad guy list, your pep list, your, and so forth through, uh, we can do it at that level. And, and we've noticed, um, you know, like I alluded to, is that, they get hits usually off of an email address, a telephone number, or or an address, which oftentimes is related to a business that could be uh, 
you know, a massage parlor, a nail salon or something like that. And we've had a vast amount of success uh, with that. Um, a large bank that we work with um, used this data set and uncovered, um, you know, $5 million massage parlor ring throughout North America um, through this data set in which they were all linked together from a, from a corporate resolution oh, perspective. So from ownership structure and, you know, many times massage parlors are, are you know, they're not a one-off ownership in a small town, uh, you know, they're owned by, you know, there's multiple massage parlors, multiple entities uh, owned by one organization or, or, or one person. And, and I'd heard time again, and, um, you know, that that's an easy one to kind of spot for bankers. Okay. You open up massage parlor look at the, um, the location and see if it makes sense by a transactional one, unless they're masquerading it. But, um, for the most part, I mean, do they just accept cash if they don't open a bank account? or they funnel it in, um, how are you seeing them? They're probably not opening bank accounts with the title of massage parlor. They're masking it as um, something else. I mean, most of the time, so most of the time the massage parlors do have bank accounts, um, you know, because they, they either have to get licensed or they have requirements around their, you know, their their property and, and, and so forth. Um, that's when it gets tricky though, because, you know, they're, they're now, you know, think of any plot, you know, think in your head about a plaza in out where you live or, or a variety of plazas. And if you were to think of, okay, you know, there's about five different plazas near my house and think about out of those plazas, how many of them either have a nail salon, a massage parlor oh, or a Chinese three restaurant. Two miles. Um, yeah. And when you think about that, Sometimes they're one-off, but a lot of times the ownership structure and, and everything's connected between them all. Um, and many times, uh, you know, whether it's a labor trafficking wise or sex trafficking wise, um, you know, the workers are fluctuating between multiple massage parlors, restaurants, nail salons, some, you know, oftentimes statewide, uh, citywide. Uh, but sometimes just to, to mix things up and keep things fresh, they're, they're transferring, they're, they're, they're shipping people every couple months or, or even less to different locations run through a network. Um, and when you have employees and, and have folks working, um, a lot of times the, the, the traffickers are the people that run the businesses. Uh, they also have the, these people's passports, their IDs. They, they main, manage their money if they even have any, or their accounts. They open bank accounts in, in, in the people's names, pretend that they're paying payroll. Uh, and by doing that, they have you know, benefits and, 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 and things that, that legitimize their business. Uh, over the last several years, what we've also seen is a lot of massage parlors, nail salons, and, and different types of businesses in, that can be indicative of trafficking going out and getting PPP loans. I mean, but that seems like the easy one, as soon as they pop up in a community, I mean, doesn't law enforcement just go in there and check and go get a massage and, and see firsthand. No, no. And it doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, first of all, no, they don't. Um, there's, I don't know offhand, but if you were to 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 search um, how many massage parlors exist in the U.S., how many even how many gentlemen's clubs, strip clubs exist in the U.S., it's in the it's a very high amount. Uh, there's not enough manpower bandwidth uh, to do it, and not and not all strip clubs or massage parlors or nail salons. There's obviously you know they're not all bad. Um, so, you know, we use other, you know, they have to get out the message that um, these massage parlors and, and businesses that, hey, you can can get this service here somehow. So you'll see there's sites like Rub Maps, if you've ever heard of that, big in, 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 in the U.S. And, and, and North America. But it's, it's essentially a site, if you want to get massage, a massage and you want a little extra, 
it's a it's a site that they run reviews uh, on it and and they they hint you into the ones you can go to um even if you're to look at like something like yelp or, or you know a basic business um review type website you can run searches for for certain words and see that even in yelp uh people are are talking about the ma the massage parlors or the nail salons or the uh the strip clubs saying like you know at these ones there's more going on here and it can either be in a, in a positive way that they're happy yeah. about that and reviewing or they're disgusted and they they saw something that was off so and, is this and they're saying make it, it there so we does also this make it harder reviews for your initiative and for law enforcement you know if banks just say you know what we're not accepting any accounts from possible known industries adult entertainment you know where okay adult entertainment is legal you know they have you know, different states and there's a lot of state by state laws, but then if it's all going kind of underground and there's not somebody that is monitored to the best of the ability, does it get proflated and harder to catch? Um, you know, you're, you're a banker. Um, I would never say, I mean, certain businesses, yeah, I, I would, I would say don't pay potentially certain, certain customers, but, you know, just, just, you know, having the appropriate risk controls around it. So there is nothing wrong with banking massage parlors. I mean, chiropractors offices, nail salons. I mean, if, if you're a financial institution that, that services your local community and you don't service those industries, you're throwing away piles and piles of dollars. And at the end of the day, banks, you know, that's a big part of what it's about, right? So I would never tell a bank not to bank those industries, um, you know, including, you know, the, the, you know, the sex industry. I mean, you know, different sites and things like that. There's perfectly legal um, businesses uh, around that. Uh, it's just a matter of when those legal businesses, uh, you know, allow too much and then for the bank to understand which ones and if uh, if their customers in said industry are are doing above and beyond your expectation for them. So, you know, building risk controls around that, like data, like, um, you know, if you're banking massage parlors, then the transaction should stop at 9 p.m. or whenever they close, right? They shouldn't be going all night. Um, and then um, you're, you're you know, certain times of the week, um, you know, maybe you notice certain ATMs things. involved, um, in new, new employee. Yeah. ATMs nearby, uh, your customer, uh, if you're, you know, a local bank or, or, or looking into a local area, you know, seeing money taken out of the account late at night and also, uh, at the massage parlor. Um, you know, there, there's a lot, there's so many indicators but it, it, a lot of it relates to common sense. Um, and I don't say that lightly, but you know, when you're looking at an account that's flagged or, or if you're working with someone like us that, that gives you a data set and you get a ping on one of these people, combining your, your information and, and, and understanding like, does this make any sense? What could this be? Uh, goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, know your customer and then, what activity your customer the reasonable belief of what that customer should be doing yeah you know uh, that's the first and foremost now are you seeing it easier with the prolif pro proliferation of cryptocurrency is it making it your job more difficult is it making law enforcement more difficult easier yeah so when I, when i started the anti-human trafficking intelligence initiative crypto was a big spot that I wanted to, to kind of sink my teeth in and, and, and do more. And so, you know, when we started was shortly after the back page, um, you know, when back page was taken down and, and for those that aren't familiar with back page, it's, it's like, um, it's a, you know, a site that's, that's selling sex more or less, um, you know, like a Craigslist, um, you know, the private encounters, if anybody's familiar with the cases around that as well. Um, but lots of human trafficking and, and child exploitation was going 
going through this site uh, for, for many, many years. Law enforcement honed in on it, focused in on it. You know, they've got they got all the emails and, and, and information and credit card payments made. Um, but the other thing that, that was happening on the site is you had to pay you had to pay to, to, to post an ad. And so, you know, lots of people paid with credit cards, mm-hmm. which uh, some of them were really their cards. Others were, you know, ones that they had, you know, fake cards or, or ones that were manufactured. Um, but people also paid in crypto. And at the time, there was a lot of talk about focusing on investigations, but nothing was being done on the crypto side of, of, of uh, people paying for those ads with crypto. And I took a lot of notice to that and, and really dove into that. Um, so, you know, when we started ATII, uh, I, I started partnering with all the major crypto forensic asset tracing companies, building partnerships with them. Uh, learning more, spreading the word of, of, of uh, human trafficking through crypto. Right now, we have a, a group called the Anti-Human Trafficking Cryptocurrency Consortium, the ATCC. Uh, got over 50 major crypto-related uh, exchanges, Bitcoin ATM companies, um, forensic uh, crypto companies, and, and data companies within that consortium doing good work. Um we scrape and index the dark web uh, and, and, and how it factors in with, with crypto payments and so forth. Um, hum, human trafficking still does take place on, on crypto um, via crypto as, as facilitating payment. Um, but really where, where crypto really is digs deep and, and is a problem is, is in child exploitation and, CSAM, child sexual abuse material. Um, you know, there's a lot of pedophiles and, and people on the dark web and, and on the web in general that, you know, have a problem and, and want to view this stuff and, and want to partake in it in real life and, and want to trade um, videos and content and, and, you know, scratch their itch that way. And just viewing, downloading, uploading, having child pornography is a crime. Um, so they need to f- disguise themselves and, and, and huddle in groups and through forums and, and so forth. Uh, and the dark web is the play- one of the big places that happens. And oftentimes crypto is used to pay for that. So, you know, we've identified around 60,000 cryptocurrency sites that, that uh, cryptocurrency uh, dark websites that, that folks are doing this in. We, we track and, and investigate um, the addresses associated with, with these accounts and, and transactions. We, we pull metadata like IP addresses and, and you know, ways of uh, deconflicting and de-anonymizing crypto and the dark web and, and transactions and so forth. So we do a lot of cool, interesting, cutting edge stuff in that space. And, that, and that's a big focus for us. Um, because that's where we, we, we see the ability to make a big impact. We use one of the major uh, crypto companies to data mine transactions of our customers. Are you seeing many banks even going that far? Um, to, to, to that. Yes. To, to make sure that, um, you know, their customers or their customers, customers, if they're selling and buying cryptocurrency, verifying the wallets aren't coming from the dark web, using a cipher trace and elliptic. Yep. Yeah, and and we, you know, those are the type of firms we partner with. Uh, cipher trace was 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 one of our very very first partners in the crypto space. Um, you know, like I said, when I started ATII and 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 was looking to uh, do more in the space, first first firm I talked to was cipher trace, and we've had a great relationship for three years. Um, so, you know, first of all, there's only so many banks that are banking crypto at this time, right? Um, the larger ones, yes, definitely they're, they're, they're partnering and and using services. Um, it's still not at the point where crypto is being banked by financial institutions entirely mainstream in, in, in the U S um, the, and I don't. I think that that's going to change even more so as as time goes by. 
Um, I think like any business, uh, I'm not opposed to, to banking crypto. And I think it, it, it would be foolish as a business not to, uh, especially as it continues to grow, as long as you're building, you know, the right risk controls around it and, and so forth. So one of the big ways to do that is to, to, to partner with an, a vendor like uh, yeah. CypherTrace, Elliptic, Chainalysis, and, and others. So the fact that you guys are doing that and, and monitoring and at least- And what we found is it tells a more complete story when somebody uses crypto because you, know, yeah. you can see kind of where it came from and then after the fact, because when you're doing transactions at a, at a bank level or if somebody withdraws cash or deposits cash, you never truly knew, know where they got that cash. Or what they're doing with the cash after the fact. Yeah. With crypto, you have a, a lot you know, you may not have a exact picture, but you can have a window. So even if you, you know, have identified somebody that, you know, you're watching, it doesn't warrant a SAR, but then you can come back later and put in that wallet address and that chain and see, oh my goodness, what did they do with that crypto after the fact? Then that could, you know, lead yep. you down another road and say, okay, now this is you know, a sorrowful offense. Yep. Yep. And um, the great thing as well with it, with those companies is they get dark web and crypto data related to human trafficking mm -hmm. and, and child exploitation directly from us. So um, if you, if you're using cypher trace or, or another one of those companies and, you know, chain it, analysis, chain analysis and, and something pops up uh, and it's related to CSAM or trafficking, you'll likely get information on that. It'll be flagged in, in through your system. And then the reference point of where that information came from and, and the description will be from us. Yeah. And, and not bankers, all cases, but and then, in a lot. You know, bankers, if you are banking somebody that is buying and selling cryptocurrency, you know, you need to make sure that they are running these programs. Yeah. A hundred, I mean, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, if you're going to bank a, a cryptocurrency exchange, you need to make sure that they have a dedicated compliance program, uh, staff, staff is important to understand that, okay, you have a chief compliance officer that actually comes from the industry and is not just some, you know, 25 year old that didn't do anything oh. before college. And when he landed his gig at a, with his buddy, when he opened a cool exchange, and we've seen all kinds and yep. And, um, you know, and the, we the canned AML program that you've seen yep. over and over again, that they just bought from a firm. That is another telltale immediately. Yeah. And a lot of times the other thing that we see a lot is that let's, you know, let's say the, the firm is true, does buy cipher trace chain analysis, elliptic. And then they also buy an ID verification vendor that they, they run IDs through. A lot of times they just buy it, plug it in. They don't know how to use it. They don't optimize it. They don't. And it's like, oh, we, we, do, we have this, um, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but it, it has to be used. Uh, and, and you have to make sure that you have one more than one person, if even one that knows how to use it. No, uh, we, and we've seen over the years, um, customers, they have good intentions and they're checking the box, but at the end of the day, they're not comparing what they did and, you know, they could have yeah. caught, okay, the address and everything you collected from your customer. And then you also pulled a Lexus or Nexus or Reuter. So technically you did everything right, but you didn't compare what Lexus, Nexus and Reuter said to what your supposed customer gave you. You know, so they're technically yeah. correct, but they didn't follow that extra step and, you know, put eyes on it and compare it. So, yeah, I do a lot of work in the, in the, the crypto field. Uh, and I have for a while, I'm, I'm, I'm pro crypto. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and I will say also that, um, you know, we've had, you know, we partner with a lot of exchanges. Some of the ones that we partner with now, we would have never previously partnered with until, um, you know, you'll see that some of these firms that were, you know, there's still plenty that are bad and haven't stepped to the plate yet, but 
many of the ones that you know used to have some negative news on them have since hired a big time chief compliance officer that came from law enforcement you know they've they've invested in a 30 person compliance staff they're they're you know you can it's easy to see that they are headed in the right direction yeah um because they want to say be sustainable and they want to continue to to work in this industry and and their folks get involved in in the different um industry groups and 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 they speak and talk about their programs so um i guess i'll say also that you know the times are changing and crypto is going to be here to, to stay so um you know hold these firms accountable if you're going to consider banking them make sure that that you understand who their compliance staff are who the leadership and the compliance staff on and understand that they you know that they have a budget that they're they're hiring x amount of people um you know they're 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 buying tools and 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 things they're giving training on on you know treat your your decision to to bank a certain exchange you know very seriously yeah absolutely we've had on a case by case basis um we had a customer by exchange and we had yep. a customer that um that had applied we have a vetting process when it has anything to do with money service business transmitting and um great intentions but we had denied them based on some of the factors and later they cleaned it up and came back and that was great to hear and then we looked through and saw that they did a lot with their program and so they they heeded what we said and then yeah. came back and you know i feel a lot of times customers and clients that do that, they end up being better and they just keep getting better. So, yeah. And I bet you for, for your sake, when, when they came back and you decided to, to, to add them and, and work with them, you probably documented that, Absolutely. that, Hey, you know, you know, the details of that and, and you can show a regulator, you can, you know, they tried to work with us. We weren't having it. And, and they came back and it made, big changes that we're now comfortable yeah. with. Now that shows a lot. Yeah. You know, looking through the red flags on specific cryptocurrencies. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I agree, agree with them. Um, you got a lot of good content. We're going to provide a link to all of this. Uh, you know, it keeps, you've got a ton of information here, Aaron. Just, just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I always find it um, sometimes difficult as, um, you know, as a banker, we see like maybe half of the ledger. We may see, you know, things are being deposited from a point of sale system, but it's really the card providers that have all the detail of the individual transactions and everything. So, you know, we get frustrated to where we can't find that extra data from the merchant processor or the, the, the issuer of, um, you know, the major exchanges won't name them because they don't have a lawsuit real quick, but they don't do enough in my opinion where they're seeing transactions first before all of us when swiping credit cards. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and it's hard as a banker to, um, to get that other side of the story. Um, it's also hard in law enforcement, especially if you have one bank or financial institution that's uh, working well with you and, and you have a good rapport and, and, and you're, you're, you know, even if you've sent a subpoena, but um, when it comes to crypto and, and different payment service providers, um, you know, we keep track uh, for law enforcement and for ourselves, the ones that are responsive to subpoenas um, that are easy to work with and the ones that aren't. And there are a lot of exchanges and companies that either one, a lot of them that just won't respond to a subpoena. Wow. Um, you'll never get information from them. Uh, and then there's other ones that, um, and I won't name names. Some of them are big, well-known ones that have historically never really responded now are responding, but they're a year behind or more on, on any subpoena request. And so the obvious thing to do is, is, is hire more people and dedicate resources to be able to, to get through the subpoenas and, and work with law enforcement. So you don't um, end up getting a cease and desist order and getting shut down or fined 
50 million dollars right yes. um but for some reason these organizations aren't doing that so somebody needs to hold them accountable if if you're if you're not responding to a, to to subpoenas and you're in this country or doing you know doing business with this country and and have satellite offices here you need to respond and and within a certain time period and and if if you're not they need to be held accountable and we've found over the years if it was you know, a subpoena and, and you can kind of tell who wrote the subpoena that they don't know what they're looking for. And it's so broad and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is going to take now it's gotten a lot easier to research items, but in years past you said, this is going to take, you know, 50 man hours of going through old, you know, sourcing and getting copies and everything. And then calling them and having a conversation, they narrow it down. This is what I really need. Okay, great. And get it to them right yeah, away. And, and that's a real situation. You know, that's a real situation too, right? Mm -hmm. I've been on that side of, of being in-house and getting a subpoena and being like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> how am I going to look up everything that they're asking for? And number two, do they even understand what they're Correct. asking for? Because a lot of times um, they don't. Because we talked about that earlier, right? With, 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 you know, only so many folks understand banking and products and services that are in law enforcement and, and sending subpoenas. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, like you said, have the conversation. Um, I'll make the excuse that the reason that these organizations aren't responding to the subpoenas is not because they're hard and difficult and seem stupid when they receive them. It's just because they don't. I, I, and and I agree not. with you. And that's, yeah. you know, that so, comes down to the, you know, uh, the, the proliferation of fintechs and, you know, their partnership or I, it's, with banks and institutions where, you know, banks were held to a standard. Well, you need to hold, the bank needs to hold their customers to that exact same standard just because they're going to hit, get hit first. Technically the bank is still responsible. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of law enforcement, if, if, if you're in that position and you give them a call and, and, and have a willingness to help, you can probably work out helping them without, spending 24 hours on every little thing in the broad base. And I think it uh, would be even easier and, with the crypto exchanges questions. because they can easily data mine. Oh, here's all the transactions. Here's the source of, here's the data we collected when we took on the new account. Yep. So. Which oftentimes isn't a lot anyway. So no. maybe those and, subpoenas uh, wouldn't really do much. Yeah, we hark on source of funds, source of funds, because, you know, there may be, a lot of transactions that aren't suspicious, but if you don't know the source of funds, they're suspicious. So, you know, if we yeah. can weed out the non-suspicious and really focus in on, you know, the bad actors, that would be great. So, but, uh, you know, Aaron, absolutely. thank you so much for your time. Um, I know we could talk all day and, and get into these. I'm going to provide links. And if there's any other additional links, that you would provide, I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, you know, uh, where where can we find you, if listeners and bankers? Want to contact you? Um, how can they contact you? Yep, um, we're at uh, www.followmoneyfightslavery.org. Uh, we have social media. Um, we're, we're big on on LinkedIn. Um, more than any other social. Uh, we, we have stuff on Facebook, but um, our website and our, our public-facing appearance and, and what we do around human trafficking is focused on working with, with financial institutions, commercial organizations, government, uh, other NGOs. So you'll see a lot of information on the website. Um, if you work in law enforcement or intelligence or um, you know, operations, tactical and intelligence around human trafficking or CSAM, uh, you can reach out and, and there's a lot of information that's not awesome. on the website that we awesome. can, we and we're going to provide, about. um, you know, all those links and you know, it's great. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me and, uh, let, letting the message get out to, uh, to your audience on what we do and, and how important this is to the, to yeah, the financial. I mean, thank industry. you so much for your service. And I mean, this is truly, I mean, the work that you guys are doing and I've seen it firsthand of you're, you're given actionable and detail, um, 
and, and it's available for banks and exchanges to utilize. I mean, you're free to give them all of your hard work to uh, combat and spot, spot it. So, you know, kudos to you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Really appreciate it, Ryan. Well, thank you for listening to the paper podcast. You know, that was just a great episode. Um, Aaron is just an amazing person. The work that he does and all the free information that he provides banks, you know, bankers, you know, let me know what your thoughts on this. Um, we're going to put in links to where you can contact Aaron, um, where you can get the typologies, the typesets, the red flags, you know, these things, if they're not in your AML system, they, they've got to be, I mean, you just have to input them in, you have to, you know, have training, go over this with your staff employee we got to do our part you know this is something that we should all be behind you know we need to do our part on uh, human trafficking thanks again for listening to the show